0: That's outreach.io, the leading sales engagement platform. Outreach supports sales reps by enabling them to humanize communications at scale from automating the soul-sucking manual work that eats up sales time to providing action-oriented tips on what communications are working best. Outreach has your back. It's a great product. The company is filled with amazing people. And I can tell you firsthand, Outreach will make your sales org better. Do yourself a favor and check them out today. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Exvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will change careers in, in, in your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to these sales success blueprints. Now... Get ready for some sales insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember, don't worry, we got you. Welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by my good buddy, John Barrows. John is the sales trainer to some of the world's most successful and fastest-growing sales organizations. If you've been in B2B sales for very long at all, you already know who John is. John's had tons of success for a lot of reasons, but here are two of my favorites, okay? And this is why he's one of the only ones to be a repeat guest on our show. Number one, John is an active salesperson. John will, of course, I know he's going to do this on the show, he defines himself as a salesperson, not just someone who teaches sales, and he's actively selling, actively working on his craft every single day, and I know we'll talk about that. Uh, He isn't talking about what used to work, he talks about what's working today, okay? Number two, John's mission is my favorite thing about him, and it's why I think we get along so well. He's here to make sure sales is done right, and that's really what the purpose of this podcast today is. And with that in mind, I could not think of a better person that I know in the world for the first podcast of the 2020 year. Uh, John is making a lot of uh, concessions in, in, in order to be on this today. He changed his schedule to join us. So my buddy John, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being one of our very first repeat guests, and, and thank you for hitting me today on round two, my man.
1: Yeah, big Rob. Thanks, man. I love being on here with you. You know, I love talking. I mean, this is going to be hard for us to kind of keep this to a less than an hour, if you will. But uh, I think we'll, 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 do our, we'll do our best. But yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on here.
0: 40 minutes. I always go along. It's always closer to an hour, like you say, but, yep. but John, Listen. Everyone knows who you are if they've been in sales. For for those people that might be newer to sales or whatever, could you just take a couple of mi- a minutes and, and introduce two things? What you do at J. Barrels Consulting, and then mm-hmm. let's parlay into it. You've made some announcements and some changes recently. I think that this is a good time to to let people know about
1: them. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's been I've been running this my own show now for it's coming up on what seven years, six or seven years by myself. I've been doing this training for eleven or twelve, but uh, like I've been off on my own. And I, one of the reasons I went off on my own was because I just I just wanted to be my own little show. You know what I mean? I just want to run my own little company, like and not even a company, just me, right? <clears throat> but I'm um, just opportunity kept coming up and I couldn't, I couldn't ignore it. So to, to answer your two questions, you know, one is we do sales training consulting, right? For fast growing, high, high growth companies, right? We have two programs, filling the funnel, which is all about lead gen, brand building, social selling, all that stuff. Uh, and then the other side is driving a close, which is all right, negotiations, objection and closing. And we work with, like you said, some of the, some really, I like playing in the SaaS world. Not that this is SaaS training. It is B2B. As long as it's B2B, this training is legit. Um, but SaaS is just has a little special warm place in my heart because they tend to innovate in a couple ways. Obviously, they tend to innovate from a, from a technology standpoint, but they also innovate from a sales standpoint. Like if I'm, if I'm training Salesforce on the same stuff I was training them on two or three years ago, they're not renewing my contract. Right. Right. It actually, the industry itself inherently forces me to stay up to date. And that's why you said it in the intro. You know, again, I don't consider myself a sales trainer. If you told me all I had to do was train and I never had to sell again, I'd, I'd tell you go pound, pound sand. I'd, I'd want. I'd want <laughs> I to know you back, would. Right? I'd want to go back to being a sales rep. And so, with this, it gives me opportunity. And I always believe that when because we are the least educated profession, right? In the sense, that it's mostly do sales is mostly a default profession when you come out of college. My whole thing is, when you come across something that works, you gotta share it. You gotta share it. It's like, it's incumbent everybody. Think, kind of thinks sales is like a a, a, a one man show or a one woman show. Like just go out there and do it. Sales is t- such a team sport, and I don't mean just your team internally. I mean the team of sales professionals looking to elevate this profession. And so that's really what, um you know tying everything together. Moving into 2020, I'm you know I just had three people. Uh, so we're up to eight now, which is absolutely bananas to me. That's so awesome, man. Yeah. And, you know, and I went through our, you know, we had our, our offsite last week in Vegas where we went back in studio. We were recutting all content and, uh, and it was, it was, it was real good to see. Cause again, you know, it was the opportunities there. And, uh, I think as long as you have the right mentality and you're doing it for the right reasons, you should go get that opportunity.
0: Well, I love it. And, and I think that the people that know you are going to be excited with what we're going to talk about because we're going to talk about stuff that, uh, is going to be fresh and relevant for what we're doing going into this year. But also for people that are new, this is a special treat. John, I'm really grateful that you join us. You, you know what I think about you. I'm going to share some of the stuff that you and me have kicked around, uh, together late night, uh, at the W hotel. And <laughs> right, we're going to talk about that. And that was, that was pretty recent at Dreamforce. We were there till I don't know, one, two in the morning that night talking about life, man. Yep and uh, we're going to talk about how life and 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 professional blends but what i want to do is get into your wheelhouse right now uh, john you've heard me talk about this I, i've spoken on this topic i believe there's a sales leadership crisis right now that, that's yeah. what i believe
1: yeah.
0: um you know leaders are getting fired faster than ever we're going into the year you, uh, the the numbers getting bigger Expectations are going to go higher a lot of the, the analysts of the world think it's going to be a tougher year financially for a lot of organizations there's yep. never going to be a time where organizations are going to need sales to be done right than I think 2020 mm-hmm. okay so let's let's start with that you know my first question that you because you work with these companies and what's interesting is you you as you grow your company that means you're getting in more uh, conversations with more sales leaders. Yep. How do you know right off the bat, John, when you get a sales leader that you're talking to, how do you know right off the bat if this is someone that's serious about sales done right or if they really are in a different place?
1: From a management standpoint?
0: Yeah, sales leaders.
1: Oh, that's easy. Uh, so one of the first questions I always ask with, um, well, it's, it's funny. I, so I deal with objection. I, again, I sell every day, right? So I'm selling yeah. my stuff. Um, and I get asked a lot like, all right, John, well, how do you deal with reinforcement for your training? What's the reinforcement plan? And I purposely, look, I, I'll do whatever you want. I, I tell people, look, I'm a two-trick pony. I, I got filling the phone. I got driving to close. After that, you know, you want 201, 301 version of this shit? Ain't me, right? And if you want some long and consulting engagement, ain't me. Uh, and so, but my when they say, well, so then what's your reinforcement plan? I said, where your your managers going to be during the training? And they're like, well, they'll be there. I go, will they? Or will they be in the back of the room with their iPhones, checking things and looking at their emails and popping in and out every five minutes? Wow. And they're like, and they know it's the latter. They always know it's the latter. I'm like, talk to me about the last time you did a sales training. How, how off, how much were your managers in the room actively participating? Like not as a manager, as a rep asking questions, sit in front of the row. Right. And crickets usually. Right. So I'm like, look, I, I can bring you all the tools, techniques in the world, but unless you have frontline managers that are bought into this and actually, uh, you know, are going to coach to this coming out of this, like I'll take your money at the end of the day. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say no, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be what all people complain about training, right? Everybody says that training is always an event, right? And it's like, Oh yeah, everybody gets fired up for a day or two or, you know, maybe even a month, right? But then after that month, it's like nothing's ever changed. And we all know that. I know there's some ridiculous stats that 84% of what you learned in the you know
0: first first 30 days
1: is gone. Right, yeah. first 30 days is gone. But yeah, but that is not the responsibility of a trainer. I'm going to tell you that right now. Any Amen. company that's out there looking for a trainer to solve your problems, I'm telling you, you have a bigger problem than a trainer can solve, because it is your frontline managers if they are not actively bought into the training. So so here's what we do. We do a 30 day like before any on-site session. Okay. We do 30 days before, 30 days after. So 30 days before, we set up all the managers on our online content, right? So they have to, and, and the idea there is they go through it. Now, if you go through our entire online portal for one of our programs, it's usually like five hours, but that's if you do every exercise and you do uh, and, and you watch every manager's guide and everything else, right? So five hours. But if you just watch the core videos and some of the manager's guides and don't do the exercise, you can bang it out in about an hour and a half, right? Okay. So what we do is we set up all the managers thirty days before him. The expectation there is that they go through the content hour and a half over lunch, over breakfast one day, right? Right. Then I do my I say, okay, this is the prep information I need, right? Then two weeks before the training, we all get together and we talk about, okay, here's how the day is going to run, what expectations, what KPIs, what things, you know, that type of stuff, right? And do you know that of the managers that we set up on the portal? So getting long winded, another answer to your question. Yeah, no, you know, this like, is awesome. No managers, right? Um, is they, like, I think the stats are 82%. I think on our end, this is why we hired a director of customer success, by the way. Uh, But uh, I think it was like 82% of the people, the managers did not even log into the portal to watch the videos before our prep call. Wow. Are you kidding me? And I'm just like, and, and so I get on the phone, and I can run those numbers. I can see who's logged in and who hasn't. So I already know walking into that prep meeting, that this team that who's this team, ready and who isn't Yeah. who's ready. And also whether this training is even going to really make a, like a, a systemic impact. Like I know I make an impact with train. One of the reasons I gravitate towards this training was without any management involvement, this is the one that stuck the most for me. Okay. You know what I mean? Without any reinforcement, without any, I was like, Holy shit, that stuff works. Let me go after it. Right. But again, if you're not coaching, if your managers aren't coaching to this stuff, if they don't become the experts in this stuff, they, everybody talks about train, the trainer, train, the trainer, like do train the managers that's the train the trainer model right that's there. right and and the last point i'll make is you know they you, you said that you think you think we're in a uh what was it a management crisis or sales a sales leadership crisis sales yeah. leadership crisis I, yeah. I don't think it's not a think anymore man we are and i'll and i'll give you proof points okay a lot of my companies what they're doing is they're hiring full-time coaches mm. full-time coaches yeah. Which means, which is, and this is the person that goes around and works with the reps, does shadowing, does you know role plays and that, t- and coaches them on how to get better. Which means to me that people are punting on the whole idea of managers being good managers.
0: Hundred percent, dude, a hundred percent. And so that's why this is where you and me get fired up. So I'm glad you shared that with me because my, where I always start, like you, you've shared with me some places where you always start. Where I always start when I work with leadership teams on 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 sales leadership done right is what's the role? What is the role of the leaders and the managers? Because role ambiguity leads to time being used in weird ways. Role clarity Mm -hmm. makes it easy to say, this is a high-value activity, this is a low-value activity, this is how you spend your time, these are the tools you use. And so, yeah, why do you think that managers have such a, you know, why is that? Why do you think 80% of the time, 82% of the time, they're not buying in? Why do you think that is?
1: It's not. It's not that they're not buying it. I actually don't blame them for it. They're they're deal chasers. They're, they're we okay. are stuck in such a short term world that everybody's looking for short term results. Everybody's looking for that's why like end of the month, end of the quarter, end of the year. Like I I'm putting my head in the sand right now between actually I should have done it in, in December like first week of December because the amount of people right now that are stuffing stuff in at the end of the year with ridiculous proactive discounts and all that other stuff yeah. just to hit a number regardless profitability of that type of just to hit a revenue number to show their investors that they actually hit their numbers. No, they're promising, we did it. Right. We're do- I mean, you get investors, right? I mean, I'm guessing they're down your throat on a regular basis. Rob, yes. what's the forecast look like yes. What can you do this month, next quarter. I'm a little look, hey, Rob, I'm a little nervous about Q4 based on your projections here. What are you going to do about that? Right. Yep. And so you as a leader have to sit there and say, Holy shit. Like I got to get after it right now. Right. Yep. Like, like, like all hands on deck, whatever. And and that trickles down, right? So now managers, nine times out of ten, what happens is the best sales rep gets promoted to be the best to, to be the manager, right? Right. That I think is actually usually the worst idea, because that is somebody. If we go through the unconsciously incompetent, consciously right. If we go through that quadrant right there, the the best sales reps, and I, I'm going to put best in quotation marks for those of us listening to this. Um, they they're 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 usually not like the A plus baller right and and they're all i'm I'm sorry the best manager, the best sales reps are usually the like they're unconsciously they're unconsciously competent they know exactly what to do exactly what to say but when you tell them go show somebody else to do what you do yep. it's a it's a disaster i want the consciously competent rep who might be you know but who consistently hits their numbers might might not have that blow out and you know expo, you know explode their quota by 180% and hit the accelerators right but every quarter they're coming in steady and when they have a problem, they can sit down with you and tell you, here's the problem, this is what I need help with. Like, those are hands down the best managers, right? But we promote managers. Hey, Giddy, everybody has this perception, oh, I've got to be a manager. i got to get that on my resume. So they jump into management, and then they're, then they're punched in the face with the fact that now it's not just your quota that you have to worry about. You now have to worry about eight other quotas. Uh, and so what does somebody who's been brought up in that environment do when they have to hit eight other quotas? And they know they're good at sales. They get involved with eight other quotas. And they try to close yeah. eight other quotas because that's what their specialty is. Their specialty isn't coaching. Their specialty isn't management. And you and I both know people don't do what they don't like to do. They will always go on. That's why I talk about inbound, you know, more analogies here. Um, You know, inbound, outbound, right? Like those two roles. And, you, and a lot of times I get involved, like SDR, BDR, right? Yeah. A lot of times I get in in companies and I'm like – and they're like, oh, we have SDRs, um, and they're dealing with inbound too. I go, hold on a second. Do you have – do you, are those roles separated? Wow. Or, yeah. Right? And they're like, no, no, no. Well – and I get it because at a certain stage you can't afford it and all that That's other stuff. Right. You better split that role up pretty damn fast because I tell people – or when they're transitioning SDRs, like inbounds to outbounds, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to make this transition. I'm like, do me a favor. Rip the Band-Aid off. Tell them only go outbound because – a rep will chase the shittiest inbound Gmail lead on the planet before they make a cold call, especially 100%. if they're bottom of that. Right? So if we translate that to managers, same thing, a manager with all the other stuff like coaching for most without the tools and understanding. And I know we're going to get into this, right? Cause this is what you guys do in spades, but I think one of the biggest problems with coaching is I don't know what the fuck to coach you on. That's right. Rob, you're one of my reps, right? I'm sitting down with you and I'm like, all right, man, like I've spent a little bit of time with you this week, and I, I don't know, you sounded okay on the phones. Your forecast kind of sucks. So uh, let's talk about, let's, let's do a role play on getting the power, like yeah. pulling something out of my ass and being like, yeah. all right, I guess this is what I'll work on. you. So if I have to pull something out of my ass every time I have to talk to you as a coach, Rob, I ain't going to pull shit out of my ass anymore. I'm just going to go help you close deals because then you'll like me, right? And And we'll hit our number. And everybody's fine. It's not a good systemic long-term solution, but, but it works, but it works and it's worked yeah. for a thousand years in sales, you know, and I mean? everybody makes some money.
0: And yep. yeah. And so I'm with you. And so that's interesting that you went there because I, yeah, I, I do agree that that role is a big part of it. I also think that we haven't really equipped managers to, to get better at that in predictable and intentional ways.
1: No. Yeah. And so have that's a big deal. That's why I don't blame them. It's kind of like it's kind of like everybody blaming millennials for sucking. You know what I mean? It's like we just shut up about millennials sucking, right? Because you know whose fault it is. This whole trophy culture and da da da. da That ain't the kid's fault. Nope. That's the parents' fault. So so you know what I mean? Because hundred percent. Like look, when you and I grew up, right? Like if we lost, if we came in fourth or fifth, we cried about it. We didn't like it. That's right. Your parents give you a participation trophy? No. Hell no. They were like, suck it up, get better. Right? And so our parents. We might have gone and got a shake
0: afterwards, but that was about it,
1: right? What about, you know, they felt bad, whatever, but you didn't come home with a trophy. Hell no! And, and so my point on that is, everybody shits on millennials for wanting the trophy. Well, who gave it to them? That's right. And, and that's what we gotta look at ourselves in the mirror as leadership and as organizations and say, like, you gotta, you can't, You can't give them participation trophies. You gotta be direct with them. You gotta work with them. You gotta give them the tools to be successful. And then if they don't execute on those tools, then we have a conversation, but it's a, it's a bad. I don't see where we're getting out of it as far as like the the turn, if you will. But I do see some things put in place again. People hiring full time coaches, like technology that's now way better. Artificial intelligence that's going to mm. give me some insights on what to say, how to say it to a certain rep. Individual coaching plans, like because that's the other. Like, sorry, I keep rambling here, but no. that's another awesome. thing. Like individual coaching plans, you know it as well as I do. A coaching plan in general is a pain in the ass. An individual coaching plan for. Eight of my reps that I have to update all the time. I got one rep. I got Morgan and I have a hard time doing, keeping up with his performance reviews and his, you know, and all this other stuff. Like it's just, it's, it's hard.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to want to get to that in a second because I think you're right. I think it is hard and that's why they don't do it. But I also think, um, just like we want our reps to have individual plans for individual prospects. Right. And that is work. And that's, that's the job, though. I mean, that's what you're telling people. Listen, if we're at a point right now, I've heard you say it many times. You've said it to me when we've had conversations. I've watched you on stage. I follow your stuff. I mean, uh, you, your content has made me better. Um, you've said it. I've heard you say it. We're at a point where it's table stakes. It's not okay to call and say, what keeps you up at night? You got to call and say, Hey, this, I have a reason to believe you're working on this. This is what I can help you with. Same thing with your reps, though. I mean, if we are in a world right now where we say, "Hey, man, it's hard to do," I don't know. Well, I think that as a leader, if we aren't getting to a spot where we say, "I am going to help you get better because you worked here," than if you worked anywhere else, we will continue to have turnover be a
1: massive problem. Oh yeah, yeah, and and you know, when you look at it as also, I I go back to you know, SaaS and tech and why I like it. We also have to keep in mind that SaaS tech. You know, I get freaked out every once in a while with my shit because, like, you know, I've trained a lot of the SaaS companies around here. So I'm like, damn, you know, that, and that's, I like it because, if again, it forces me to come up with new stuff because our industry is so incestuous. Like, I could train somebody on your team by, you know, like, oh. I bet you there's somebody on your team that maybe even gone through my training from one of the previous clients that I work with in the sense that, so now if I do the exact same training that I did for that kid two years ago and it's the same stories and all that, that kid's going to be like, eh. Been there, yeah. done that. Right. But, the, but the SaaS industry is moving so fast that, that it's got to force us to innovate. And we got to, I think the same thing from a management standpoint, that model of predictable revenue of inbound, outbound, all that stuff. I think it makes it very hard to coach because it's such a micro portion of a career. And, and let me explain SDRs. You know, I don't, you know the numbers better than I do, but I, I bet you they're, they're in your, their role for about a year, maybe these days. Getting year to a year and a
0: half. That's it. Right? Year to
1: a year and a half. Turn through territory, yep. that type of stuff. Uh, yep. then they become a BDR, right? Maybe a year and a half, two years, right? Then they become an AE and they sell them to the SMB. Then they move their way up to mid-market and enterprise. A manager has such a short period of time with reps that that's another reason why I don't Makes think sense that they, they spend a lot of time on it. Cause it's like, you know what? Screw it. This kid ain't going to be here for a year. They're rented space anyways. I'm going to get as much out of them as I possibly can before they move up. So there's that, that's the switch, right? Is that as a manager, I have to get the, out of them as much as I can. So therefore that's why they chase deals versus I'm a manager and I want to get the most out of this person. I want to have this person get the most out of their career. That shift when a manager has that shift of I got to get mine cuz I got to close my numbers with my team between that and you know what I'm investing in this kids long-term success and even if they're not here over a year with me good whatever it's going to come back around for me one day like until that switch happens you know then then you know we're going to keep ch- chasing deals All right so John I
0: want to take what you just said I think that's the perfect setup I love it I love your perspective because Arguably, you work with as many as anybody in the world. You see it. You're talking from a now perspective, not a, oh, we did this a couple of years ago perspective. Yep. You've reinvented yourself year after year for now seven years. Not yep. reinvented, but kept current. Probably reinvented is the wrong word. Kept yeah. current is the right yep. word. So forgive me for that. So now let's take this and start. Like So it's day one. It's week one. We are in week one of 2020, right? <laughs> uh, we We had our... We had our great party. The hangover's over, but the numbers are reality, right? I don't know about you, John. My
1: hangover's not over yet, by the way.
0: (laughs) When I was running sales for a large publicly traded company with, you know, over a 1,000 reps, my worst day, John, was the first day of January when I came back in and I logged into Salesforce. What what was a billion eight is now zero. I remember my best year was a billion eight in sales, and it came I logged in and it said zero. I was like, I gotta do more than a billion eight this year. And I'm at zero. And what it's an overwhelming, you-
1: yes! What if you don't Billy? That's why if you don't like this profession, like anybody who whines about that, like, I'm gonna throw it out there to anybody listening right now. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but if you are whining, if you ever get yourself whined up, like, you know, about, oh, my quota went up, uh, um, my territory got smaller, yeah. shut the fuck up. That's the- <laughs> that's the- that's the game. Like that is literally the name of the game. Like you signed up for this shit. Don't bitch. You want a salary job with your merit raised, go find another profession. Yeah. Yep, right. no. We what I say I say the same thing. We've
0: signed up for the more button. The more button that they push, we need more. That's sure. the button we raised our hand and said, Hey, I'll get you more. I'll right. get you more. Right. And so I'm with you. So so with that with that being said, um sorry John. With that being said, uh what do you say to our sales leaders? If there's a couple things that you can say, sales done right, or sign up for the more button, what are two or three things that you would suggest? Now, just to set the stage, we got 3,000 people that will listen to this in week one, and then thousands and thousands. We get 25,000 downloads, uh, 30,000 downloads a month down the show. We've got a lot of people around the world that are pumped. Okay, they got their notepad out. They're ready to write down, John. What are the two or three things we got to get right,
1: man? All right. So I'll, I'll go back to the why and what I did with my team this weekend. Okay. So uh, I think it's an, I, I would go through this exercise um, with the whole team, by the way, is I would sit down and I would define your why as an organism. Now, if I'm, I'm going all the way upstream, right? You could say this is the mission vision of the company, uh, but I'm going to trickle down to helping each rep understand why they do what they do, right? So if you understand why you do what you do, ultimately, what are you trying to accomplish as a business and as, a, as an individual? Right. Ours, after a lot of going back and forth, I'm like, why do, why do I get on a plane, you know, 200 times a year? Why do I, why am I away from my daughter? Like, why, why am I doing this? Like, is this just to get a paycheck? Like, no, right. I work for myself. That's a relative term, getting a paycheck. Right. So, so my, like, I think the exercise of why, and we got down to ours and it was sales done right. Right. Cause I say this all the time. I firmly believe that when sales is done right, it's the greatest profession in the world. When done wrong, it's the worst. Right. Amen. And then from there, you need to back into what are your core values that are going to help you achieve your why, okay? And I did this way back when, I don't know why, I I wish I remember why, I I must have taken like a a course or somebody suggested or whatever, but when I was about 23 years old, run and thrive, BPS sales and marketing, I sat down and I wrote down my values. And you can look them on online, and just Google Jay Barrows 12 guiding principles, right? And it was really like this whole list of 12 things that I... I live by, right? It's, yep. you know, simple stuff, though. Like, you know, what goes around comes around, right? Like, basically, don't people treat people like shit, right? Um, you know, get get better every day. So the rule of 1%, which is get 1% better every single day, right? Work your ass off. Like, all these different things, right? And what I used to do is I, I would sit there, when when and I did this this past week, but I would sit down with my team. Anytime some new hire would come on board, I'd say, hey, come over here. I'm like, I want you to look at this list. I want you to read this list, and I want you to understand – I'm not sitting here saying that you got to have the same values here I'm sitting here telling you that anytime I do something and you are wondering where it came from, look up at that list because that's where my feedback to you is going to come from. so I just want to be crystal clear and and I hope that your values are very similar to mine or else this ain't going to work and that's where I think we need to start I don't think have a, people have aligned values anymore because if you and I Rob, if you and I uh, have aligned values, right, on what we genuinely believe and 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 how to treat people and all that other stuff. Then you and I can argue until the cows come home, as long as we share the same values, you know. And I don't I want to get political here, but I, but the like if you think about it this way, the reason that I think we are at such a divide with mm-hmm. with you know the, our political landscape here, is because we've lost the we've lost the the singular definition of core values of the United States of America. It used to be the Constitution. Like the Constitution was it. Like that was our core values. And whether you were Democrat or Republican, you know, whatever. Rah, rah, rah. You yell at each other, but ultimately, you kind of had to. Yeah, this is the land of the free, home of the brave. We, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's like we had core values, so we could scream at each other, but then go have a beer. Um, now, right. now you ask one side versus the other what are core American values, and I think you'll get two very different answers. I would two agree. Two very different answers. So now all we're doing is yelling at each other, and also as a manager it is a very easy thing to do to make sure that your reps are crystal clear with expectations right like look here's what, and this is what so from those 12 guiding principles uh 2 years ago i went to gary v's 4d session yeah right which was super cool uh and and they brought every executive in to kind of share what they were doing with their business and then gary came in at the end and had a q and a right one of the exercises they brought us through was going through your why. So I kind of lifted out my twelve guiding principles. We came up, I came up with sales done right, and then I crunched down those twelve guiding principles into five. And this is what I went over with my team when we were all at dinner. I was like, "All right, y'all, I just want to let you know. First of all, again, I've never expected to have eight people on my team. This blows me away. The fact that you're all sitting in front of me right now, uh, which tells me that there's a really good opportunity in front of us, right? Because I wouldn't be making these moves if if I didn't really genuinely feel that there was going to be an opportunity to make a difference in front of us, nice. right?" Yeah, nice. So I said, "All right," <clears throat> but before we go anywhere, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, let me share with you my why and, my, and our values. And here's the five. Uh, first is believe in what you do. If you do not believe in what you do, go find something else to do. I think terrible advice to a kid is follow your passion. I think that's terrible advice because I don't know about you, but if I if you, if you told me to follow my passion in my 20s, dude, I'd be smoking weed. I'd be a broke artist smoking weed on the sideline asking for money. Right? <laughs> yeah, that was what I was passionate about, right? Right. Um, and, or like playing ball, right? And I am not an NBA player, so I would have wasted a whole bunch. I do not have the physique to go out there. I can't dunk. You know, I'm 6'1". I am six one. i can not dunk. So, so follow your passion, I think, is a terrible idea. The idea is find it and then go for it. And then once you find it, right, because you know, when I got fired from Staples, I had a little bit of a crisis. So I had gone from DeWalt, right? Uh, that was my first job. And then I went Xerox. That was my second job. That's so where I got my sales education. Then Thrive, we started that IT services company, ran that fastest growing company. Then Staples bought us, right? Went through the integration. They fired me because I wasn't the right fit. And I didn't know it at the time, but I, but thankfully they fired me. Um, and, and it got me really to think, I'm like, well, shit, what am I supposed to do? Like I was, still, I was doing IT sales for years. Right. You know, seven straight years. I was an IT sales guy selling servers, workstations, maintenance, like, Boring ass shit. Sorry. Like, but I'm like, so I'm like, is that, is that really what I am? Am I an IT sales guy? Like, that? And so my, my wife is the one who helped me out with this. We actually sat back and we said, all right, well, let's take a look at your career. She's like, why were you like, let's take a look at Dewalt. Why were you one of the best reps in Dewalt? Like the best in the region, one of the best in the country at Dewalt. I was like, well, I don't know. Dewalt power tools are pretty badass. Like they're, they're cool. Yeah. Right. And she was like, all right. Well, Xerox, why were you the best rep in region at Xerox? I was like, well, I don't know. I don't care about copiers, but I, I, you know, I believe that at the time Xerox was the best copier out there, right? And she's like, all right, then look at Thrive. Why were you the fastest growing company in Massachusetts? And why do you kick the crap out of all your competition? I'm like, I don't know. I don't like servers, workstations, but I believed in the people, right? And I believed we were going to make a difference. And so once that clicked, that it didn't matter what I sold, it just mattered that I believed in what I sold, it opened up my eyes to now I can look for anything, Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where I think, like, if your kids, if the, the people that you are working with from a management standpoint, don't fundamentally believe, like, guess you know where you know where discounting comes from, you know, from not having a pipeline. Well, yes, but it also comes from an inherent distrust that that price is uh, what it's valued at. Got it. Think about it, right? You come, you come as a, as a CEO, right? And as me as a CEO, we come up with our pricing based on a lot of different things, even at profit margin, all these different things, investments that we want to make, right? But to a kid coming out of school, they look at a dollar figure and they hear no so many times and they get objected so many times, they don't have any confidence in that price, which is why they just cut the price in half just to get the deal because they have no confidence. But if you know, you, Rob, I'm betting you don't discount all that often. I mean, maybe. No, right? Yeah,
0: we don't. Same thing
1: me. I don't discount. I'm like, look, uh-uh, because I am that confident that this shit is that good, yeah. and you're going to thank me afterwards. You're going to want to pay me double. I should charge you double, right, because I got the confidence because I believe in what in, I am. In fact,
0: my board always tells me that we need to do a pricing study because I think we're too cheap. And, right. Um, yeah, I hear, I hear that every board meeting.
1: Like, And so here's, here's a tip so you get back to the question of the managers, right? Uh Here's something. Go do some customer interviews. Have your reps do some customer interviews or have the reps read some case studies. Have some reps understand the true. They don't have to think that, like, computers are the greatest thing ever or managed service security services are the best ever and it's going to change. They don't have to believe that. They just got to believe that what they're doing makes a difference to the right clients, right? Yep. So... So that's one, uh, value. The other one's work your ass off. You know, I, I, I will say this, people ask me all the time, John, you know, what's the secret to success? And I tell them, I go, ain't no secret, my friend. It's working your ass off. Like, I'm a state school kid, drank my way through four years of college. I, you know, I'm not dumb, but I ain't, I ain't like Mensa smart. I ain't like Havid kid. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, give me a beer and let me get out of my way. but. But I'll tell you right now, I'll outwork you straight. I'll outwork you. There's no And there's no there's no debate about it, right? And if yep. you want to be great, that's what kills me these days. Another tip for people out there listening. uh. And the expectation isn't, you know, shouldn't be there because I know we all have to have this balance and we're not getting paid overtime. But when I go and do a training, I do 830 to 430, right? And then 430 in the afternoon. I usually, you know, kids are usually walking around asking me questions, right? So around 5, then at 5 o'clock I usually light up my laptop and check my 200 emails before I get into Uber to go to the airport, right? Like that's kind of my consistent while I'm training. And when I leave the office around 5.15, 5.30 every day, it's a ghost town. Every sales organization is a ghost town at 5.30 in the afternoon. I, I, I mean, my hope is maybe some kids are going home and, and kind of logging in and checking some shit out, right? But I, I doubt it. Doubting,
0: you know, John. I'm so glad you brought
1: that up. It is like one of my things as well. Like
0: I, I call it Fred Flintstone's uh, syndrome. You probably remember that old show because we, right? Yep. The, the intro to that, and a lot of the younger people have probably never seen that show. Do you remember how yep. the show started? It's Meet the Flintstone song. He's at work, and all of a sudden that yep. dinosaur horn goes off, and he slides yep. down the yeah, he slides down yep. the tail, and he's yabba dabba doo He he's out of the office before the horn has even finished. Sounding.
1: Yep. And, and might, I see that because he's just showing up for a job. That's right. He's just showing up for a job. He doesn't care about his career. He's getting paid. It's the typical, you know, been in this industry forever. This is how it rolls. It's like a, it's like a, a professor in college on tenure, which I think is the most stupid ass thing. I think I think merit raises just because you've been with a company for so long is a. Yeah. It's it's insulting. Like, well, oh, I've been here for two years, so I need a 5% raise. Well, are you 5% better than you were last year? Well, I need a cost cost of living adjustment. I need a cost of living
0: adjustment. Right. So
1: just, you know, just show up. And that's the, the, I will say, going back to millennials, the one thing that I do see a systemic issue with, it's not their talent, it's not their ability, it's not any of that stuff. It's, it's their, it's their work ethic. But I don't necessarily know if I just want to put that on millennials. I see that in a, a large swath of the population. They are just not willing to put in the effort of what it takes to be great. Because we are in a society where nobody sees the journey. They just see the output, right? So Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, like all these mega superstars that seem to come out of nowhere, right? And then there's like this one little blurb about, oh, you know, they were discovered by so-and-so, so they think it's luck. Uh, Go back and look at those people's real stories. You know what I mean? Like, I bet you there was some grind in there that you would not want to do yourself. So do you John, as
0: a fellow entrepreneur to you, I know like you're in a great spot. Your company now, seven years, you're starting to grow faster and faster. You're hiring eight people. You've got the best logos. I, I mean, dude, I mean, not only are you a great guy, your logos for who you train speaks to how great you are, right? I'll 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 beat your drum for you a little bit because you deserve it. But as a fellow entrepreneur, we have some pretty good logos at Expoin as well that we've, yeah, we've collected. And I'm telling you, man, from CEO founder to CEO founder, that grind, most people say, oh, it's pretty cool, John, you've built a company. Or Rob, man, Expoin's doing No, the grind that we've gone through, most people have no idea. And, and in some cases, the cost that's involved, right? Oh, no. Well, it costs a lot of ways. money yeah, that's family, what I'm saying. I'm talking right? about more than just the money. Yeah, more yep. than just the money. Yep. So those are two of your things. I like that, John. You shared two of your values, right? Yep. Two of those, okay? So you took this in a spot. I, I, I'm i not surprised, but what I like about it that I want to emphasize for our listeners, John, is you started with values. If you, yep. For getting 2020 right, if sales is going to be done right, start with values. Make yep. sure that your values are aligned with their values. And I want to ask a question. I'll extend a little bit further. We're also, are we trying to align personal values with professional ones?
1: Uh, I don't think they should be different. I, I, I don't, so goals, yes, personal goals, professional goals, absolutely. That comes comes later. Your values are your values. And, and so here's again, here's a tip for people going out there looking for jobs. Say it's a new part, you know, new year, you're like, you know what, I took Christmas off, I'm going to go after it and look for companies and where I want to work. Who should I work for? Well, if you don't have your values defined for yourself, you have a chance of swinging and missing. But if you have your values lined up, then what you can do is you can go look for companies that align with those values, at least from an outside perspective that, you know, that, that you can kind of tell like easy one is, is, uh, is, is, uh, Benny off over at sales off with his one, 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 you know what I mean? And all this other stuff. Like you can look through that and say, you know what? That company aligns with my values. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes, then guess what? When you're in your interview, oh, it's a good, con- because now you're asking yeah. questions leadership about values and what you and when you identify one of the values that is not you like i'll give you a quick example and i'm gonna shit on him here i don't care if he listens uh grant cardone like i know what you're gonna talk about yeah i love this tell the story i know the story well i mean he's just like he's i don't i just don't think you forget him being a douchey sales guy and, and wolf of wall street stuffing stuff down people's throats and all that other stuff right I can get through that. I, I understand why it's popular. I understand how it works in short-term sales situations and all that other stuff, and he gets people fired up. But man, when I saw him stand up on stage and talk about his wife at Drifts Hypergrowth, yeah, and talk about you know, and basically objectify the shit out of her in front of five thousand people, and then talk about what he who's gonna do her on her jet plane, like him and I do not have the same values and fuck everything about him, in my opinion, because it, like if he if we did have the same values and we grabbed a beer and he was cool, but he had this show, right? Then I'd be like, all right, man, whatever. But as soon as he's let open that, that door to that part of him, I was like, whoa, nope. I am not going to give this guy a chance. So him and I will never be friends. If I have the opportunity to sit down and have a drink with him, I probably won't take it because I already know who the guy is and I already know his values do not align with mine. And so I think that you as a person need to develop your values, right? And as a leader, right? And, and, and then have those and live by them. And then, then you set your goals. Then you say, okay, Right. So now, this is this is our guiding light. Sales done right. Here's our five core values. Right. Now, what are our roles and responsibilities within this thing? Right. And we obviously set the revenue target where we want to go. And this is where leadership, I think, fails at least on the ground level is time management, all this other stuff. Like the reps got to know where they fit into the equation. Because if they don't know where they fit into a bigger equation, they're just gonna do their jobs. They're literally just gonna show up and do the work you ask them to do. But if you ever want to get somebody to do more than what you're asking them, then you've got to paint a vision for them. You've got to paint a direction. You got to show them where they fit in that and mm. what their journey is going to look like. And so, because I get a lot of executives saying, "Well, John, how do I get my uh, my reps to care as much as as much as I do?" And I said, "When, when was the last time you really genuinely painted a true vision for where you wanted to go and and open bar? You know, like literally, if you want to sell the company in two years, my recommendation is don't hide it." Like, tell the team you're gonna, we're, hey, we're here to sell this. If you don't want on this right now, please get off and, and we'll figure out a transition. But if you do want on it, we're gonna make everybody a crap load of money if we hit these marks and that type of stuff, right? Be as open as you can about it. Because, and then tell them where they fit into that equation. To say, okay, so here's the company vision. Here's what my job as a VP of sales, this is what I need to do to help the company hit that vision. Now, uh, directors and managers, this is what I need from you to help me to help us. And then reps, here's what I need from you to help your managers, to help your executives, to help your VPs, to help us. Now, everybody knows where they fit on this equation. Everybody clear on what their roles and responsibilities are and what the expectations are and what the values are. Now let's go get it. I love it. John, I've written down three things that I'm not surprised you
0: brought up, but what I am surprised at as I talk about it is it's the place, as I listen to this, I see how it creates a blueprint for success. Start with values. And then identify and have clarity of roles. Where do they fit and why does their effort matter? That's what's going to fuel that effort that we talked about is when they understand those two. And then the third one I wrote down is vision of where it's all going, right? Yeah. Um, that's, we start with that. It's, you're going to have a lot better chance on getting more than just, well, here's the number guys and we got to do it because we just got to do it, right? Yeah.
1: And that's, and that's like, that's why the belief in what you do is so important. That's why the vision is so, cause again, how am I going to believe in what I do? If I don't know where exploit is going to be in a year and a two, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to treat it as a job because they were in a SAS world here. There's funding going all over the place. There's acquisitions happening. So I'm just going to be along for this ride as long as I can and let's see what happens. And you know, I'll make sure I'm going to do my job so I can whatever. But if you want that person that's going to do their job to help you get there and take that extra burden on top of that because they want to help get the company acquired, man, you got to, you got to believe in it. And you got to share the, you just got to share the vision. You got to do all that stuff. So, John, as I look at those things in your little, your blueprint to get started, yep.
0: what's the hard, what, what's hard about it? I mean, is there any like, you got a lot of people right now, and I, you know, they're either stuck in traffic listening to you or they're on a treadmill or they're walking the dog or whatever, you know, and they're like, I like this, you know, and, and it's, the, the timing's perfect, John. I mean, that, they should all create their Jerry Maguire manifesto like you did, right? Yep. And, um, and for those of you that are young enough, <laughs> and you don't know that movie, go watch that movie. Cause that's, who's I'll
1: coming with me? Movies. Who's coming
0: that's with right, me? That's right. I love it. Um, what's what's hard maybe you could because it's a great idea maybe you could coach our listeners what's hard about this some things to think about if they're going to do this for themselves and for their team
1: you know the hard part is january 1st what have you done for me lately so i ain't gonna have any time to sit down with my team <laughs> and the values. i mean seriously right i mean we're, there, here's that never-ending loop it's yeah. like that sounds like a good idea just like coaching sounds like a good idea right. uh but john i need two weeks off here man because my brain's about to explode and if i don't have to take a vacation i'm gonna Go crazy on people. So I'm shutting it down for a week or two, which I always recommend people do. I mean, I'm literally shutting it down after this conversation. Like this, like I am done until the sixth, right? Um, much love that I'm your last one, brother. (laughs) So, but, but then, you know, it's like, but then January now at this point, January sixth hits, right? First, second, third, ain't nobody going to be working, whatever. So January sixth hits. Uh oh. Right. So. Hey, that value exercise that sounded like a good idea, uh but uh our pipeline's up too, so I gotta go so number one is just time, and it's the same problem with coaching um, <clears throat> Number two is really as I would say, coming up with your values right because they' got to be yours, nobody else can tell them what they are. You know what i mean they and and for you to really define those pillars of values for you that you base your decisions off of. It's not, it, it's not something you just like throw three or four phrases on a piece of paper and say, yep, those are my values, right? You, you gotta look a little bit deeper. You know what I mean? You gotta, so I actually, I actually recommend going through with, with yourself as an individual of leadership <clears throat> and then guiding your reps through that, or at least talking them through. Say, hey, you know what? Here's what I like, vision and, 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 uh, values, right? You look at those two things. Then you come to your team and say, all right, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this you know, here's where I see this team. Here's where I see us. Here's where we're going. Here's what the values are from my perspective. What do y'all want to add to this? Right. It's almost like you want that manifest. You want like a checklist. So when people come on board, they sign off on a piece of paper that says, I will, you know, treat our customers with respect. I will treat everybody in the office with respect. I will go above and beyond to make sure the customer is happy. I will, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Like, those can be values, but that exercise, again, not trivial. Um, but, I'm, you know, look, I say that, and you might want to just Google how to go through a values exercise, and there's probably a worksheet there for you.
0: All right. We're 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 starting to run low on it, and I'm sensitive to your time because I am the last thing between you and your disconnect. Uh-huh. So we're going to finish the same way we always finish, but before we do, I want to talk about something that's important to me that you and I experienced together. And this is something we 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 always take, a, most of the audio is what we do with podcasts, but we'll have three or four, five, like, video snippets. I'm going to make sure our team makes this one. I, I want to talk about this that you gave me, John. Yeah. You gave me this this poker chip. I, there, there's a couple of things I keep in my pocket every day. Yours is one of them, okay? And you and I talked about some stuff that was going on in my life that I was struggling with, okay? Yeah. And we don't need to get into that on the, on the show. Uh, you were a very important conversation to me at a time that I needed it. And you had a little bit of an idea of what was going on, and you gave me a chance to tell you a lot that was going on and you helped me. And one of the things that you do when you helped me is you gave me this. Can you talk about this in general? But why the more important of what your way of doing this is, why is this an important concept for a sales leader that wants to do sales right with their team? Yeah.
1: So sales leadership is a lot like being a parent. Right? So that's why I always say as a trainer, I'm like the grandparents. I come in play with the kids, leave, and now you gotta deal with the shit, right? Yeah. So my daughter, uh, you know, back in the uh and again, I don't want to get political, but back in the last election, um, it was getting pretty heated. My wife and I pretty heated about our opinions of certain individuals that were running for office. Okay. okay. And and it and and I was watching the news a lot. I was like, you know, including and- to it. Well, you don't realize, even if your kid's in the next room, they hear everything, right? Yeah. And so what happened was I could tell she was getting really stressed. So my, this was what? How many years ago? That was 2016? Yeah, 2016. Uh, almost, yeah, we're coming,
0: like? yeah, we're coming up on right? It's almost four years, three and a half years ago. She
1: was, so she was six, right? So my little daughter is having like almost anxiety about what was happening on the TV and what mommy and daddy were talking about as far as the election was concerned. And I noticed it. And so I said, all right, hold, hold on a second. We got to take a step back here. And I said, sweetheart, you can't, you can't focus on things you can't control. Like you, 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 well, you, you can, but it's a, it's a no win situation. Like there's nothing you can do about what's happening on television. Right. So why get yourself worked up about it? Right. And cause she was like worrying about things that would happen, like not just on TV and politically and stuff like that, but she was worrying like a week ahead. She's like, well, what if I go to this party and nobody hangs out with me? What if I go to this and what if this happens? What if that happens? I'm like, and I'm trying to like flip her positive. Like, well, what if you go there and everybody loves you? And you know what I mean? But what it, but, but you know, there's only so much you can do to switch the negative to the positive, but what you can do, I told her is what focus on what you can control, right? And this is for everybody in my opinion. And we came up with this little acronym, which is EAT, E-A-T, which is effort, attitude, and how you treat people. Like, those are literally, because I thought about a lot. I thought about, like, what else, you know. And, but it all kind of kept coming back to those three things. Effort. You can control your effort. I told you I'm not that bright, but I'll I'll outwork you. I won't watch that Netflix, you know, binge watch whatever it is on a, you know, Friday night because I'm tired. I'll get up. I'll be checking my emails. I'll be listening to a podcast to get myself better, right? Uh, attitude. You know, attitude drives a lot of behavior, man. Like, you got a shitty attitude, shit's and it's a lot about momentum too right like sales is one of those things where if you have a bad attitude about something like a, like let's get very tactical like you come into a call blitz with a shitty like oh this is going to suck well guess what it's going to suck but, yeah i mean you've already predetermined that that cold call blitz is going to suck and it's just going to feed into your perception that they suck. So the next time it's going to be even worse. But if you roll into a cold call, just be like, I'm going to murder it today. Like this, ooh, it's a good day for making some cold calls, right? Like, like change it. Like Tony Robbins says all the time, like change your state, right? Like change your state yep. into yep. a positive, you know, you can control your attitude no matter how much shit goes around it. Like you can control your attitude and then, um, treat, which is how you treat people. And this is the, this is the quintessential, you know, uh, golden rule here. Right. You can control how you treat people. And this came up because my daughter was like she was hanging with a couple of girls at school who were kind of like the, the in crowd, if you will. And a couple of kids from the out crowd were sitting around. And, uh you know, and unfortunately, you know, there was a point where my daughter actually kind of made one of them feel a little bit bad. Right, so we had a conversation with their parents and all that other stuff. I was like, no, 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 no. You can absolutely treat, you can absolutely, absolutely control how you treat people. And if you don't treat people with respect, then it's going to come back around at you, right? And so we had a long talk about. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if somebody like you ever been on. My wife does this now. It's fun. Like I'm a I'm a Bostonian, true and through, right? Like yes, when you I'm are. On the, when I'm on the road, I actually don't have a car anymore, right? Because Cause I just take Uber everywhere because, and the other, but the main reason is I hate traffic. I literally hate traffic. It, it's such a waste of time to me. It just, every, and, and the people, oh, just get like, I cringe, right? So when I get, I don't want to say I got road rage, but like I definitely get heated in the car, right? Yeah. And I'm giving people the bird when they cut me off and I'm like, yeah you too you know that type of stuff and that just escalates into a negative thing you know what my wife does now like when when say she cuts somebody off or somebody's like you know in front of her whatever it is and it's like a bad thing and they're giving her the finger and everything she just puts a big ass smile on and she waves she's like (laughs) hi sorry like with like overly like ah and you can tell the people don't even know how to deal with it you know what i mean they're like wait a minute like i i gotta be mad at you but you're actually kind of being cool like like argh, and it blows people's minds, right? So you can you can totally control how you treat people. You want to be a douche, you can control that. You don't want to be a douche, you can control that. You know what I mean? Like that's where those three sixty review feedback forms, like anonymous. If you're if I'm a manager right now, here's another tip for managers listening right now. If I'm one of you right now, I would do it as long as your team's bigger than one or two, right? Because you don't want to pinpoint. You know, you'll know who the feedback's coming from. But if you got a team of ten on you. Do one of those 360 degree review, reviews and tell your reps you are not going to hold anything against them because you're trying to learn as a leader and get better and send out an anonymous survey. I don't know, you know, again, Google it like, you know, best 360 review feedback for a sales manager. Uh, and, and, and have your team give you unfiltered feedback about who you are, what they like, what they don't like. And that's your coaching plan for the year. Love it.
0: John, this is good, man. I'm telling you, I want to thank you uh, professionally. You've helped me. I want to thank you personally. You've helped me. Your eat uh, stuff is something I look at. It's helped me, dude. It does help me drive my effort. When I get frustrated when things that are happening that I can't control happen, then I say, "What? how do I control my attitude on this? It's. I've made decisions even in the holidays as I've handled this personal stuff that you're aware of. Like, I've handled things ways that I wouldn't have otherwise done because of what you've done for me. Okay. And, and so I think that that's a big part of being a good leader. I think that's a good way to finish this. And rather than get into the three questions that we ask everyone, this is a different way. This is, we kicking it off. This is, this is great. I'd like to finish with, with just one thing as we wrap this up, how do they get more of you? How do they follow you? Will you talk a little bit about like what you're doing for with the project, with your daughter, with, with the book? I'd love for you to put, to push that as well. Cause I love the cause um if you could finish with that how to get more of you and and maybe that last thing that you're doing for such a great cause uh, i think will be a great way to finish
1: yeah i appreciate that i mean obviously anybody can go to the website jbarrows.com but and you'll see by the way we're coming up with a whole new fresh looking feel q1 so you if you Can't want wait. go look at the website now cuz it's it's pimp it's good but it's based on the old school landing page you know gated form go through like whatever it's still a baller website in my opinion but we're going to a super clean uh, we're do, redoing all of our content, giving it out in different ways, right? So, you know, but, but, uh, th- this is, and this is for your audience here, um, easiest way to get in touch. And actually, you want some free coaching? I'll give it to you. Uh, but it's got to be through Instagram. So you got any question about sales, any question about sales, sales leadership, anything like that? Go on Instagram. It's John, J-O-H-N M as and Michael. Barrows, B-A-R-R-O-W-S. All one word. So John M. Barrows, that's my handle. Go on Instagram and, uh, you have a question about sales? Just hit me up on Instagram, right? I, I, I promise you I'll get right back to you because look, I suck at typing. I'll respond to anybody who has any questions about anything. Uh, but I suck at typing, right? So, so it's, it's usually takes me a little while. Whereas I got kind of a mild form of OCD. Every time one of those little red indicators is, like, notifications is on in one of my apps on my phone, i got to go in and clean it up. So every time I see a little, like, one, two, three, four, five messages on Instagram, I'm sitting there, I'll open it up, and I'll the kid will ask a question, and as I'm rolling through the airport, I'll give him an answer. I'm like, all right, try this, or go check out this website, Google that, watch that video, come back to me, let me know if you have any questions, right? So if you want some free training and free consulting, go to John M. Barrows on, on, on the Instagram, Twitter. Instagram is the best one by far. Um, I just hit I just hit your
0: Instagram man. It's true I've because I, I follow you on all channels and yep. I'm looking at it right now. You've got some good stuff on there, and so that's a great way. Take John up on it. Yep. I'm telling you, take John up on it. You know he he will respond to you.
1: People just get surprised. They're like, oh shit, I didn't you respond. I'm like, yep, I ain't Gary V. Like I I ain't Gary V's status right? Gary I know he says he's great, but he gets like a million comments on his posts and shit like that. So he fundamentally can't respond to every single one of them just from a pure timing standpoint. I ain't that big, so I'll, I'll get back to everybody who gets back to me. Uh, and then, then the other thing, and I appreciate you bringing it up is, is the book, right? So this, this, I, this is a good way to bring us full circle here on the why and, and doing things why you want to do them. You know, after that 4D session and we came up with the, what, you know, sales done right, I, you know, last, I think it was a couple of years, no, last year, uh, no, two years ago, I, I was struggling a little bit. So I, I, I said, you know, I've figured out a decent amount of stuff in business. I still got a lot to learn. No question about it, but I, you know, I've been all right. I've been doing okay. And so, but the one thing that I've, inherently always had a hard time with is is the guilt of leaving my daughter right my wife you know i think it's she she likes it when i leave right because i think that's what keeps our relationship strong but um but my daughter you know six seven eight years old daddy's gone you know monday tuesday wednesday that type of stuff how and so i was like you know and i posted this and 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 i posted on linkedin i said yeah i'm just struggling trying to because like for literally for like after i leave the house uber grabs me i give a hug to my daughter if she's here I'd say the first hour, hour and a half. I don't, I don't get depression. Uh, like, thankfully, I don't have those, you know, uh, whatever causes that to happen. Um, but I, I get to about as pretty close to depression as you can get for for about an hour. Me going to the airport, getting on the plane, and then I gotta kind of click my brain into a different gear so I can just compartmentalize that and put it away. And so I said that on LinkedIn. Got a bunch of quotes from people, and they was like, "Oh, this is, oh, you know," and it was. um and it was all very helpful stuff, but it was all stuff that I was doing, you know. What I mean, the Facetimes, the, we had our little handshake when she leaves, and all this cool stuff, you know. That's a, and so I was like, but a, but a theme kept coming up of, hey, make sure you you know involve your daughter in work, involve your daughter in what you do, at, at least so she can see when daddy's gone what he's doing and the impact that he's trying to make, right? Um, and so I was like, all right, well, I think it's a little unfeasible, you know, not really feasible to. Put her on a plane and put her, put her in the training yeah. every single time, take her out of school and that type of stuff. I'm like, what's another way? And so three years ago, she started selling Girl Scout cookies, right? And she came to me and she said, Daddy, you know, you have a pretty strong social media following. She's like, I got this link here where people can buy cookies from me online and donate to the veterans and all that stuff. Could you share it out on your profile? And I was like, uh, no. And she was like, what? I was like, no. I go, first of all, you gotta earn that. I'm like, I've I've earned that following. I have earned every single one of those people and I appreciate every single one of them and I will not spam them with random ass shit, right? I go, so that's one. Two is what's gonna what's gonna convince them to buy cookies from you versus every other girl that's knocking on their door selling girls' Scout cookies and every time they show groceries to it, many selling girls like why should they buy from you? Just because I told them to? I don't have that kind of influence, right? So she's like, all right, well, what do I need to do? I'm like, you need to tell people why they should buy Girl Scout cookies from you, right? So we did this little skit. And if you go to Iwanttobeinsaleswhenigrowup.com, it's a long URL. Or you can go to jbarrels.com slash book, and it'll take you to the same place. You'll see this video that we put together three years ago of her giving a pitch. And she had to go downstairs. She was a little nervous, so we've got a little Afro wig for her or whatever. And she starts giving her pitch. She's like, hi, I'm Charlotte. And I love lemonades because they make a sweet, sweet taste in my mouth. And so she goes through this little pitch, and, and then we—I did a blog post on it, posted it out there. So that was year one. She was the number one seller in the town for for that year. Uh, next year, door-to-door sales, right? So we're getting—we're practicing objection handling, right? So I got a little video up of us project, right? And then—and what that led to was combine this all together. The sales done right, me integrating my daughter into my work. And and her selling Girl Scout cookies and me coaching her turned into the book that we decided to write because everybody's always been asking me like when are you gonna write a book on it and I'm like first of all I don't read all that much so it'd be a little bit hypocritical for me to write a book like a like a legit book you know um, and you know I think most books are like eighty percent bullshit like I, I I literally think that there's like twenty percent decent content in most books and then they got to fill it up with eighty page of fluff so they can sell it for t- so it can be thick enough to s- be sold for twenty four ninety nine right. So, so I, I've always had this disdain for books, uh, and people that write them just to write a book. Like, I get, I got people with like really good ideas, they want to write a book, but there's plenty of people out there that just write books to write books. So that's where I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a book, but it ain't gonna be a book everybody's expecting me to write. It's gonna be a children's book. And it's called, I wanna be in sales when I grow up. And it, it's, the goals are to, to fundamentally change the perception of sales at a root level by introducing it to kids at an early age. So that there's not like this negative perception of it coming out, right? Uh, because again, when done right, it's the greatest profession in the world. It provides financial freedom. It changes people's lives. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so that goal number one. The goal number two is is to get uh, women into sales, more women into sales, because it's based on my daughter, selling Girl Scout cookies. And I've, I, I don't know about you, but I've, some of the best sales reps I've ever come across in my life are women. No doubt. Uh, and, and they're woefully unrepresented in this world of tech SaaS sales specifically, right? Yep. Uh, and then the third part of it is 100% of the profits go to charity. So, uh, my daughter, she, you know, she actually doesn't want to be in sales when she grows up. She actually wants to be a veterinarian. So, awesome. uh, so she chose the charity. It's a world wildlife fund. Uh, 100% of the profits, not, not, you know, uh, literally 100% of the profits go. We actually probably one of my proudest moments as a parent and as a business owner is uh back in thanksgiving my parents live down in virginia and uh the world wildlife fund headquarters is in dc and so we were able to we got one of those big checks you know those big fake checks nice Uh, we we printed out one of those uh brought it down to the world wildlife fund and my daughter was able to give a ten thousand dollar check uh to the world wildlife fund uh to save some animals and they they interviewed her you know they put her in their newsletter they showed her a secret closet where they hide all the, you know, all the, um, stuffed animals that they give away, which was like her mecca, right? So, uh, so anyways, that was, it was really, really cool to see her, you know, that whole, <clears throat> the whole project come full cycle and deliver that check to the World Wildlife Fund. So, uh, so we can try to make a difference.
0: John, that's such a great, I can't think of a better story to share to finish this. Listen, as we knew, I was trying to keep it to 45 <laughs> yeah, minutes. We that. went long, uh, but th- you're worth it, John. Uh, you're, you're terrific what you do. I, I just want to thank you on behalf of the sales community for what you do to make sales better. Uh, for those of you that are listening today, uh, you know, happy new year. Uh, take this as our gift from Exvoyant to you to bring the thoughts from John. John, if people follow this blueprint you've laid out, we won't all get better at sales. We'll all get better at life. We'll get better as people. And we'll make the world a better place, not just our businesses a better place. And that's why I'm so grateful you're willing to join us today. He's John Barrows. He's my buddy. He's helped change the face of sales. Uh, and, and you can see that he's doing a lot more than just trying to get ahead professionally. Uh, when it's done right, it can change every part of the lives of you and those you work with. So John, thank you. Happy selling my friend.
1: Thank you, my friend. And yeah, enjoy the holidays and have an awesome new year. And, and look, everybody just get after it. You know, like, like 2020 again, you, you're not going to be able, go vote. Obviously you can't control what's going to happen though. And if you blame somebody else for your lack of success, it's a hard one for anybody to swallow. So go get it and and keep those E-A-T in mind, effort, attitude, and how you treat each other. All right, let's make it happen.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? I want to thank our friends at Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast and for helping us showcase John Barrow's blueprint on how to get sales right in 2020 with everyone today. Outreach will help your team get sales right as well. They're going to help you become a revenue-driving machine by creating sales engagement your reps and your customers will thank you for. Outreach is built by salespeople for salespeople, and they know how to help you scale. Now, I can't think of a better guest to help us kick off 2020 than John Barrows. John's mission is sales done right. And I hope you found John's approach to building high-performing sales teams where sales is done right as compelling as I did. There's a lot of stuff there. I mean, it was a long conversation, uh, but I think that there's a lot of nuggets there that you're going to want to go back and take notes on. You're going to want to listen to. This is one that you're going to want to keep. I like how John started that getting sales right starts with the leaders and the managers. If you think about this, it'll be really easy a- as to why. We need to give people more than just a number. We've got to give them individualized pathways. And the first thing that John talked about when I asked him, how do you know if you've got a company that's got good leadership versus bad? And it was interesting. It was how bought in are the leaders? You know, are we doing this training because one person figured out how to get it through? Are we going to have the, the leaders really all in? And, um, and, and are they really involved in the way they want people trained on how to sell? And, and, and if they aren't, you're not going to get good development and follow-up. I like what John said. Trainers can't fix a culture problem. Leaders have to. you got a bigger problem. Trainers will come in and train. It's the managers that change culture and make things stick. And so I think that's really important that as leaders, you all need to look in the mirror right now and say, in 2020, that culture piece is up to me. That development piece is up to me. And the first shift that John talked about was the need to shift from um, saying, "Are are we developing people or are we chasing a number? Because you'll develop a different skill if you're developing people rather than chasing a number. And I liked what he said how most managers don't get trained how to be great leaders. Uh, and so when you have these people, you don't want to fail, you don't want to struggle, so you gravitate to what you're great at, and most of the time that's closing business. And so we fall back to what we're good at. Here's my challenge to you for 2020. Think about this component for, for John and, and sit down and ask yourself, how do I become a better developer of people? There may be some motivation in it, but it's certainly much more than that. I'd argue that it comes down to how good are you at creating individualized plans. John talked about that, and he said that's so hard for a leader to really do consistently. Um, yeah, there are tools that will help you like the one we have at Exponent, but I think this is more of a mindset. Am I going to be committed to the individual growth, and can I find an individual pathway to the top of the mountain for that rep? I think that's a big deal, and, and if you sit down and say, how am I going to do that, you can make that shift. You can actually flip that switch, and, and John talked about why that shift was so important. The shift from, right now you're probably thinking, I've got to get everything I can from this rep before they leave my team, because turnover's high, right? You're, you're only going to have them for a little while, and that's why maybe it doesn't seem worth it to really invest and double down on, on their development. But if you can get that shift to be, I've got to help this rep develop and learn as much as possible while they're still with me, that shift is going to be the first big thing to give you a building block and how to get sales done right in 2020. I'm super grateful that John gave us that one because that's your only way that you're going to shift from deal chasing mentality to developmental mentality. And I really like the idea of adopting that mindset of day one versus just one day. If every day that you're working with them, every time you're sitting down, it's day one on what's next rather than just another day at the grind, I think you'll see that shift start to take over. Now, John gave us four things that would help sales be done right after that switch. One was run to the number, don't be it. I like that. I mean, don't, don't be frustrated with the number that you got. Yeah, quotas sometimes are high, but we signed up for the growth business, okay? Number two he was dial into your why. He really talked about understanding values. And it, you need to know your values as a leader, and you need to understand the values of your reps and try everything you can do to align those. If you can align values, then you have a good chance at getting more than just their, your body in the chair for a while. I, I really like that Fred Flintstone conversation we had. If you see yabba-dabba-doo mentality in your organization, it's usually a reflection that you as a leader have not got to the heart and soul of that person. You've only got the body. And then the last two I think were important. Work your ass off. There's no substitute for hard work. Don't demand hard work from your team. Align to their values and then you work hard and they'll match your effort. And then finally paint a vision. Um, his most important piece of advice I think is a good way to finish this. Control what you can't control. His eat idea, effort, attitude, and how you treat others. Those are three things you can focus on. You know, you should have maximum effort. You know, I've found that people are great reflections of leaders. If you're working hard, you got a good chance for them too. Attitude. Uh choose to look through the positive lens. It's really easy to have things distract. Personal and professional are blended now. Choose to have a positive lens. And then finally, that treat others. I can tell you John's a dear friend, because he has treated me on a personal level very, very in a way that I needed and I appreciate. And he's such a great human being. Be the leader that people say. She or he is such a great human being. Those are all things you can control. I hope this was a good interview. I hope this was a great way to motivate you for getting your personal blueprint together on how you 're going to lead your teams and I would call it that what is your blueprint and treat it that way because a blueprint is a recipe for success. John has given you some great insights on how to get sales done right and I want to finish today with some shout outs. I get so many messages from so so many of you, and just in the last couple of days. Uh, professionals like Niels Bergmans has reached out and told me just how much inspiration he gets from our guests, and I appreciate that, Niels. Matt Carroll is the VP of Sales from Revenue, Revenue Well, and he really was appreciative that we we re-released Mark Smith because he found that trust-building conversation so important, and I thought that was really cool for him to share, especially being the year. And and finally, I want to give a shout out to Kayla Siegel, who just got her first sales leadership job, and she's reached out now as an inside sales manager at Brightwheel. And she's telling me how much uh, she's learning from all these guests and creating her leadership blueprint. So I, I want to thank each of you. Keep giving us those great reviews. Um, I want to finish by giving a final shout-out to Outreach. This This podcast episode is brought to you by my friends at Outreach. They are the leading sales engagement platform. Supercharge your revenue-building efforts. Check out Outreach today. And as always, don't worry, just execute, because for all of 2020, we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.